Western Australia Part 5. Well, you made it, guys. This is the fifth episode of my adventure to Western Australia. And if you're tuning in for the very first time, welcome to the Noob Story Podcast. It's interviews with spearfishing experts, authorities, and characters from around the world. This time around, it's me getting amongst it in the action in Western Australia with a couple of legends and absolutely having the time of my life. Uh, absolutely love Western Australia, love the spearfishing there, like I love the people and uh, the whole trip was super special. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, part five, wrapping out the series. Um, last episode I told you about an idea to go on a BCF and let them know that you want a copy of 99 Spare Recipes from them. I hope you guys are still getting amongst that idea. I think um, it could help me get the books into those stores. That would be huge. Um, if you do want a copy right now, within the next maybe 24 to 48 hours is your last chance to get possibly a book before Christmas. Jump on noobspare.com and head up into the store. You can get 99 Spare Recipes there. The more copies you buy, the cheaper it gets. Um, check that out. And um, hey, I'm not going to sell stuff forever. Let's get into this last episode brought to you by patron legends just like you. Go to patreon.com forward slash noobspero to support the show on an episode by episode basis and pay for trips exactly like this one. Here we go. WA, episode five. Adreno.com.au, the home of recipes, blogs, videos, equipment reviews and an obnoxiously large range of spearfishing equipment for frothers like you. Not only that, but spearfishing trips and courses, courses and trips that I sometimes get to go on. Check them out at adreno.com.au. It's a Spiro's best friend. Check them out, and if you want to buy gear, pump in the code NoobSpiro to save $20 on every purchase over $200. You can use that online, in-store. Use the code NoobSpiro, save some cash, and support the NoobSpiro podcast. Shop with adreno.com.au. Neptonics.com source the very best in spearing gear from around the planet. Jerry says, if we sell it, we believe in it, we trust it, and dive it. Neptonics is the one-stop shop for all your spearfishing essentials. Neptonics is solid gear that works, and you'll know it's true when you pull the trigger on a Neptonics mech. On every snap of a Neptonics power band and in every whiz of a Neptonics spear gun reel, singing with the power of another big fish. Buy gear you can depend on at neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10%. Oh, g'day guys, uh, Shrek here, um, surrounded by a pair of legends, we've had a week together now, so we all know um, each other a, a, a hell of a lot better. I've got um, Bert from Old Man Blue and Joel, just a bloody legend from uh, from Perth, uh, from the Rockingham area in his early days by the sounds of it, but we've just had an absolute cracker of a day in the sort of Shark Bay area and... Um, sort of halfway up WA's coastline, about, you know, 12 hours from Perth or something like that, somewhere in that vicinity. And today we just had an absolute rip snorter. Um, Joel and I were just laughing because I was in the boat running boat duties, gutting these frigging cod, and Bert jumps over with Joel. Joel's watching Bert. Bert disappears into a cave. Two minutes later, still hasn't reappeared, and Joel's yelling out to me as I'm still got my head down, sort of gutting these cod, and Bert hasn't resurfaced. So Joel's like, mate, have you seen Bert? Where's Bert? And I'm looking around, too. 150 <laughs> metres away, Bert resurfaces. He's been in this cave or this, this sort of this um, overhang, 
exploring it all the way along and then popped up. So anyway, it was a happy ending, but it was a bit of a nervous start. Bert, tell us about your policy on buddying up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to, um, yeah, I think my wife is going to listen to this one, so I don't know how to answer that one, sorry. She'll only listen to part one, mate. That's it. And this is why we get away with it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm terrible. Like, I, I, I'm the worst. I, I suppose my whole life I've dived by myself. And I, I like to think that I buddy up, but I always feel people abandon me. <laughs> people abandon you because you dive and you come up, whatever, 50 or 60 metres away, and you never make any attempts to reconnect. Never. (laughs) (laughs) And you always blame the other person, like, oh, he, and you've done it to me. Like, sometimes he'll go, he'll sit shafe, he goes, see that crack there? Good fish. And then you dive down, and like, and, and, and yeah, maybe there's a fish there. 50% of the time, there's a fish there, right? And so sometimes you come up with a fish, sometimes you don't. But either way, you come up and fucking Bert's 100 <laughs> metres away. What do you oh, reckon, John? Mate, he's just spot on with that. Yeah, spot on with that. Dives down. But he, he always says, go down, there's a fish there. Yep, have a look. There's a fish just there. But I think he's just setting you Oh, He's not setting you up. He's just putting you on the uh, the sort of the, the lesser productive bit of the reef. And he swims off 50 metres and bang something a lot bigger but yeah yeah and then lets you carry his float around for the next half an hour i reckon it's a trick to get rid of his float joel you shot a first today though i did Um, mate i shot yeah and then you put me on to a first for me so it was kind of like one of those yeah one of those just a good sort of session wasn't it it was a mint session that one yeah Yeah, mate yeah yeah so uh shrek was diving a uh hole today and um I sort of swam over. I was doing boat duties, a bit drifty, and I swam over. And I thought he was hunting a parrot because I seen this big parrot he go past. And I thought, oh, he's come up. And I saw I seen the parrot too, so I went down after it. And as I've turned around, you go, hey, do you want a cod? <laughs> I went, far out. Fuck, it was a bit of a give me. This cod was already five metres up from the bottom. So, yeah, swam down and banged a bloody beauty. But It was it, probably about 15 kilo, though. Hey, what do yeah, you reckon, Bert? it's a cracker. Easy so it, 15 kilo. Measured over 90 centimetres, so it was a beauty. But, yeah, I didn't expect it. I've never shot one, so it took me for a bit of a ride, as you're saying. And yeah. yeah. Absolutely fucked me spear. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got, a, you got a banana out of it, I got it, a banana you? out of it, yeah, oh. so I missed the next two fish. But, yeah, then um, Shrek hasn't shot his uh, WA Baldy yet, so... We were swimming back to the boat and um, I was looking down into this little little hole. I just seen these two big dorsal fins pop out and I yelled him out, say, hey, he's a fucking big baldy here. Yeah, mm. watched him go down and bang a beauty, eh? Hey? So tell us about that one, mate. Yeah, I, I was swimming back and I was kind of like, oh, we'll get Joel back to the boat and we'll get his cod on board and then we'll start hunting again because it's too much fish to lug around with you. Yeah, it's a big fish. So I was kind of, I'd made, made my sort of peace with that and we were swimming back and the boat was probably only... 50 metres away, so we were at anch- it was anchored, so um, we're swimming back, and I, I was scanning for fish, but I think with Bullchin, like, when you've got a bit of experience with them, you know where they're going to be, and you described to me sort of where, what what terrain they like, and when you pointed out this sort of gut to me, it made sense, and it wasn't like a big, deep, sort of cavey structure, it was a... It's like a pothole. Yeah, like yeah. a pothole. Yeah, that's mm. a good way to describe it. And they're like sandy and just more like a gutter, you know, like mm. somewhere for them to get out of the current, but they've still got access to everything. 
plenty of escape routes and all the rest of it, but he didn't seem overly smart, this fellow. I just no, dropped down. You, you put me right on the right spot, so I swam down. I felt like I'd been spoon-fed. I just shot it. <laughs> been like me cod, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah we both spoon-fed each <laughs> other, yeah. But, like, that's spearfishing too sometimes, yeah. I reckon. Like, it's not like, you know, sometimes you love the epic hunts. But let's be honest, sometimes the best fish you shoot because someone just gave it to you, Yeah, you know? Yeah, I like the easy ones, mate. Yeah. They're pretty L- good. Later on, though, uh, ch- chuck on Bert. Um, I was diving this deeper bit of reef and I – I got on the bottom and there was a beautiful ranking cod sitting just off off range. And he started coming towards me and then all of a sudden he spooked a bit and he buggered back about five metres. And then I looked over to my left and there you were, Bert, coming yeah. down and you spooked my ranking and then pointed it out to me like I couldn't see it already. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I was trying to put you on a WA um, ranking and... Um, yeah, obviously I didn't see you there for a moment, but yeah. No, but, sorry, Joel's yeah. just bloody. We're, we're sitting in front a of a fire. fire here under the stars. It's a beautiful night outside our cabin, and uh, a bit of our the firewood's fallen out of the fire. Joel's flicked it and it's just gone head over heels into the garden. So he's just retrieving that. Sorry, Bert, I interrupted you. No, all good, mate. No, basically, obviously, Shrek wanted two things on his trip. He said, "I want a Rankin cod and I want a baldy." Obviously. The baldy Joel gave, and um, basically we we tried a few places. You can talk about the other one just now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just so excited to see you. Obviously, Brangon cod they sit normally on the sand, and um, yeah, you did well, mate. You went down again and take over. Yeah, I went down again, and um, yeah, it was just like it wasn't a particularly smart fish. It, I think it was deep enough where the fish was relaxed. And um, he sort of played a little bit of distance game with me and then I just slowly crept along the bottom and then got within range and, and plugged him. True, true. But I've, I like hunting them. I think you always have to look in the gutters, sand, and sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. They just appear from nowhere. And a lot of the time, you, you actually, the first time you see them, they can be head on like a... Mm. A coral oh. trout, and you think, oh, that's a big coral trout, and it ends up to be a um, ranker. So we can surprise any beautiful fish underwater. Even the small ones are beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And they're very distinct. Once you've shot a ranker or seen them, the male and female and the juvenile and the fully adult ones, like they're pretty distinct sort of cod, and their behavior is quite different as well. It's more like a... A coral trout than a groper, I think, in some ways. Definitely, Definitely is. And a good eating, hey? I'll, I love eating them. I haven't eaten one yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to, I'm going to hopefully go, I'm going to print one or get um, Derek from, um, if you if you guys don't know, follow um, at Derek.Giataku on Instagram. Um, this guy's an absolute legend. He's going to hopefully print one for me and maybe print a fish for bird as yeah, well. Yeah, I was hoping not just, <laughs> I think Derek's going to be a little bit busy at my place. <laughs> he doesn't know it yet, but hey, Derek, thanks in advance, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah, mate, I shot the two iconic WA species I wanted to shoot. However, and, 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 and it was, mate, we just had a fantastic day. I, we haven't even covered yesterday, though, because yesterday... No, the day before, mate. Well, the day before yeah, yesterday. Yeah, we tra- travelled around. We were up north further, and uh, you shot a Rankin, 
and we were on some wicked terrain, but it was getting a bit deeper. It was sort of that 15 or 20 stuff. And um, it was weird. It was, like the, it was like concrete slabs. It was amazing, actually. It's just sometimes you find ground that is just, I suppose, unusual. Like everything looks the same, bouldery or corally. And then you just find these, like nature makes like these concrete slabs is the only way you can put it. And you go down on it and suddenly it's completely different life. And um, there was little, what do they call those little things again with lines? Uh, I forgot now. Red emperors. Little baby red emperors. I still haven't shot a decent red emperor. I actually haven't shot a red emperor. Tried, but haven't got one yet. Um, but it was just—it was lovely to see. You know, the, the ocean was alive, and oh, we were—we were blessed with good weather, clear water. I mean, what more can you? And good mates and a good crew, yeah. And on a good boat, and in an amazing part of the world that I've never been to before. Like, um, and I, I was telling you guys yesterday, like, for me, this trip. Like, I've actually got to fully, like, relax. Like, you guys are both onto it with mechanics and running the boat and organising the vehicle and driving. I sit in the back seat and I sleep when we, <laughs> when we drive. And then I get here and I drink too much alcohol. I chip in, obviously, like, as much as I, as I, as I you know, can. But, um, you know, for me, it's a trip without much responsibility and I've just been able to enjoy all the fruits of it. So thank you. Definitely, Bert. Hey, Shrek. I'm glad that you came over to WA. We love this place. And um, it's nice to share it with you because I think at the end of the day, it's, it's our passions. And sometimes it's nice to talk about it. And just road trips, like um, everybody does are different. I've got a mate, they do some mad stuff. They'll drive 12, 14, 18 hours over a weekend, leave a Friday get their Saturday morning dive or Saturday, and then Sunday they drive back home, you know, like another 14, 16 hours or whatever it is, and work Monday again. And, I, you know, to me that's – I'm getting too old for it, to be honest. It's, <laughs> I just can't do it anymore. Um, and now we do the slow thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I've enjoyed about the trip is we've had a chance to test out a number of items of your gear, Bert. Um the old man blue um, weight harnesses that are sort of still in a prototype stage. <laughs> like, it, Bert, Bert's got probably like six items up at the oldmanblue.com.au store. It's all really well made, really well thought out, high end stuff. Like, stuff that's going to last you a long time. But what amazes me is the fact that Bert's got probably 10 or 15 other things that he's working on that are all in various stages of their evolution, but all also really well thought out things, um, and they're not on the store yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, Greg, I'm, I'm guilty, mate. I, like everybody else, to be honest, is, um, you know, I, I work for a living, and um, Oldman Blue is something I do on the side. Obviously, it hasn't made any money yet, but hopefully one day it will. And um, but it's my passion. It's, it's something I, I do it because. It's after a lifetime of diving. I've made so many mistakes and I've learned from so many people. But I feel that, you know, you, you learn from your mistakes and you look at other people's gear sometimes and you go, yes, amazing. 
But hell, the thing falls apart, so it's not so amazing. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you're thinking, maybe we should have put a little bit of UV stabiliser. I think of this mm. pair of Italian fence up or just, mm. I think it was about 800 bucks, and the, the stuff on the side fell off. And I'm thinking, 800 bucks, you know? Yeah. I want the, them to put $2 worth of UV in it. But anyway, that's how I think. And when I make things, I'll put the UV in because it costs 2 bucks. Mm. Yeah, nice. No, I'm loving it. The weight vest has been like really comfortable. I haven't had any weight around my hips, but the weight vest comes with a quick release and it comes off just as easy as a weight belt. But um, the it's been strange adjusting to having more of your sort of your ballast up higher on your body, but it hasn't disrupted me in any way. Um, it's still a prototype, so I think there's still a few things that you're working on. But I've really enjoyed it. My my harness fits really well, and I've enjoyed taking that weight off my hips and moving it further up my body. Yeah, I, just right while we're on the harness, it's the harness is a, a long story. I, I I used to dive in the kelp beds of Africa, and all those guys that dive abalone and crayfish know dragging a bag for kelp plus having a heavy weight around you because you dive with thick wetsuits. You do that for twenty, thirty years. You're gonna have a back that's weak. And um, I'm one of those people, I've got a dodgy back. So it makes no sense, you know, like anybody will tell you your lower back is a worse place to put weight. It just doesn't make any sense. I don't know why we all do it. So for the last 20 years, I've been diving with different harnesses and improved a lot of them. And finally, I'm onto a harness that I think is almost there. Yeah, I agree. Like we made some modifications to mine. I think one of the problems with the weight vest is making them variable so that they suit people of different sizes and statures, which is a little bit like a wetsuit. But um, my one's good fit, and um, it's doing everything I want. Yeah, and when we're done, it will have basically the, the ability to, I don't want to break too much, but all the mistakes I made, lost at sea, counters that, you know, was ske- sketchy and scary, these things is incorporated into this harness. I don't want to talk yeah, too much have, about it. You're going to have some um, stuff building. Yeah. So it, it is a game changer for a lot of people. And it's like your own little turtle shell on your back carrying your goodies in. Mm. Yeah, love it. No, I love it. Are you following at Old Man Blue Dive on Instagram yet? Bert Calder, creator of the Old Man Blue Dive gear is an absolute legend. They're people that froth on the sparing life and intentionally make super hard wearing and practical gear that will stand the test of time. Visit oldmanblue.com.au and check out a bunch of tough, robust equipment made by people that are just as passionate about spearing as you are. oldmanblue.com.au This podcast is brought to you by aqualite.com.au. This is the best solution bar none for staying hydrated in the ocean. If you're a Spiro, it's an absolute no-brainer. It's a game-changer. If you're doing extended trips and the cramp starts to set in and uh, the old body's telling you, hey, that's enough, just get hydrated and it will save you a whole heap of woe. It's a groundbreaking product that can help you to stay hydrated. It's got low sugar. It's less acidic than other options on the market. It's rapid absorption, help you to maintain performance. Dehydration of just 1% to 2% can affect your mental and physical performance by up to 6 or 7%. And as when you're spearfishing, you can tell when dehydration 
is starting to affect you because the equalization goes out the window. Get Aqualite at aqualite.com.au. It's scientific rehydration that Spiro's know and trust. I know because one works there, and that's why we've set up this discount code for you 10% off when you use the code NoobSpiro at aqualite.com.au. Check it out. Australian made hydration products tailored for Spiro's and a whole bunch of other people that suffer from dehydration too. But check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 10%. Equalizing problems can be something that derail you. Not today, my friend. Go to freedivingfamily.com. Check out the, either the Friends or Advanced Friends or Video or the Mouthful and Deep Friends or Equalization course at freedivingfamily.com. You can use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. These courses are put together by Adam Stern and a select team of, of, of legends and to help you overcome different issues and help you perform better. And some of them are extremely relevant for freedive spearing. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Along this week, as usual, like I have seen, I have done pretty well fish wise, but gear wise, I've had a number of mistakes. I've uh, actually, the last two or three days have been pretty bad. Joel, you've seen a couple of them, mate. Um, I know you love being super delicate to the old trick. Um, can you remember what I've done? Uh, well, yesterday was pretty pretty good one. We'll, <laughs> we'll chop, when we when we got the shark bay, he um, comes in here with Bert's. Well, started filling in some fish from um, up north, and um, got on the skinny knife. I think you grabbed the actual filleting <laughs> knife at that stage, and I hear, oh, "Fuck, it's a good one." I turn around, there's Shrek pissing blood, mate. So he's went and grabbed Bert's knife and slipped and gone straight through his uh, thumb. thumb. So yeah, he yeah, gave yeah. it an absolute cracker. Um, yeah, yeah you, you've you've done a few. He nearly stitch worthy. Nearly yeah. stitch worthy. He um he also stuffed up a gun today. Yeah, yeah, that was a out. little bit. Uh, oh, oh. I, I would have cried, mate. I would have. It was a bad one, but yeah, he jumped on the boat and. T- Thought he'd do the well. He was doing the good thing, and me and Bert were again buddied up, well and truly, two hundred metres apart. So um, he went. I oh, will go grab one of them, and forgot that his gun was dangling over the side, and put it in gear, and completely. Oh, I did, it, there. it didn't actually even go through the prop initially. The <laughs> problem was, I I saw Bert. He was sort of to the north, and you were to the south. Yeah. So I've motored up to pick Bert up. And then I've, I was, I was actually coming into it a bit hot, so I've chucked it in reverse, and then the gun that's hanging over the back has just gone <laughs> straight under the prop, and just fucking cut through one of the rubbers, cut through the shooting line. The spear's just dropped out, so I've lost a rubber, uh, you know, a power band and, and the spear, and it's gone through the barrel, which is like this beautiful shaped. Um, it's a work it's a of art. hero. If, if people are familiar with it. And I had a, a 1250, 12, I think. And it's just... Is it not 850? It is now. Yeah. <laughs> Small little reef gun now. <laughs> so the prop's gone, like, more or less, just absolutely destroyed this barrel. And I'm just gone. Yep. Yep. That's that's in keeping with what I've been doing. Yeah, that's about a $1,500 fuck up. Yeah, that's a beauty. And that was the second spear I've lost. Oh, you forgot about that one too. Yeah, so we're at that, um, the ground that the, with the slabs, 
And um, I was swim. I just jumped in the water because we had a bit of a drift, and I thought, ah, oh, I'll stay in the boat. But I put the anchor down, jumped in because the boys were banging some good fish. And then I heard, ah, oh, God, can somebody get that? And I look up, and there's Shrek, and he's got just the fish and his spear gun, and he's untied the. Um... No, no, I didn't untie it. Who untied it's, it? It's just come undone. Ah, oh, so it's a bad knot. So we'll put it this way. Durban yeah, but I tied it's the knot. Durban. Oh, Durban it's a, it's Durban a Durban knot. knot. All right, let's All talk right, about right. this knot. Let's yeah, talk right, about yeah. this knot. So hang on, Bert's we've got a bit more on this knot. Yeah, Bert. Yeah, I, I, I this kinda... is the this is the the quick release knot that we use yeah. with shooting line, and then you're um, sort of tied onto your reel line if you're using a reel, and um, so basically you have a loop on the end of your shooting line, and then with your reel line that goes through the the loop. You wrap it around sort of three times, then back through in a bow yeah. so that you've got this nice quick release. You sort of cinch it up and it's neat. I like it because you can undo it and you can tie it while you've got gloves on in the water. And it does the job because sometimes when your shaft goes into a fish's head, you can't pull it out. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. how clever you are. So you push the shaft all the way through, you pull your quick release knot. And then, boom, you, you pull the whole shaft through, you retie it, and Bob's your uncle, you, away you go, and Fanny's your aunt, hey? Yeah, Fanny's your aunt. That's definitely true. But, but you hate this knot. Mate, I, I do. I just think it's it, – there's this thing we – I grew up in South Africa, and, and you can't help. If you're in the water, you, you always revert to where you start. And I started in the Calbets, and um, the guys from Durban, they had the open water, and they a completely different group of divers, and they had their little knots and their little things, and we had our little things, I suppose. And growing up in a cape, I've always used a bowline. I reckon you've got a figure of eight as your first knot. That's your strongest knot that doesn't let go, but it's hard to undo and stuff. A bowline, you break the neck and you, you're out. Okay, fair enough. Take a glove off, you know, just put a bit of my effort in. But you won't lose fish. I've lost lots of fish. Just a spear swimming off of a big fish. This is a big fish. And I've actually done load tests on those knots. They're useless. The only time those whatever Durban knots, I call them, um, sorry, guys from Durban. It's just you make bad knots. Oh, Durban um, knot. <laughs> he named the knot after them. <laughs> anyway, the point of this is um, the only time a Durban knot works is if you make a knot behind it. Like a figure eight. A figure of eight. Because then it can't it's a undone. Stopper. And I have done it. When you do a load test on it, it can't slip. There's a slip knot. It, it's, it's useless. Um, and once you lost three or four good sized Mackies or. Like, I've lost a really big sailfish once. I feel bad about that still. That knot cost me a sailfish, and I killed the sailfish by having that stupid knot. So I, I, I'm very anti it, and I'm very outspoken, once, you know, from personal <laughs> experience. Well, like, you called it, like, a couple of days earlier, and you talked about why you didn't like it, and then I demonstrated. And I think it came undone as it's come through the fish. And it was a four-kilo coral trout. It's a beauty, and it's just—it must have caught on something and pulled the 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 bow. It's it's pulled the like a shoelace kind of almost, you know. And it's just—it must have just caught on it. It's pulled it, and it's game over. That shaft headed whatever we were to the bottom, and we couldn't make out the bottom, so we quickly lost track of what ground we were on. And I just pulled a whatever how however long the dive was, and so we were slowly drifting off that spot. Mm. If someone doesn't drop on it immediately, then the chances of re retrieving it are uh, between low and not at all. Yeah, and there goes another spear, but, you know, 
be a car replaced on a trip, especially if you're on. stainless. Yeah, sharp. it hurts, doesn't it? Oh, um, and, and I tried. I dived down and right below where we were, I probably cleared about, I would say, about 10 square metre area. I had a good look in. Um, yeah, couldn't find it. It just was just gone. So we well, and we probably drifted well and truly away from the spot. Mm. So there goes the spear. But that spot was good too. Like So it looked like a sort of, we called it Slab City. Um, the reef was weird. It looked like artificial concrete slabs with these kind of like 20 to 30 centimetre gaps. gaps. And, it, and that was pretty much where all the fish were like living. But it provided enough safety and structure for quite a lot of life to be there. So on the sounder, it didn't even show a lot. But when you got down there, you were like, oh, it's on. Yeah, well, say, I, 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 when we just got there, I can't remember if it's you. I think, no, it was Joel, it was you. And I said, I can't remember if I got something. Maybe I got a fish, I can't remember. But I looked over and I just saw out of this murk. And I thought, as a Spaniard, I thought, hey, I think it's you. I said, Joel, Spaniard, or was it Rory? And I said, Rory, like Spaniard, you know, nail it. And um, this thing swam up probably from about 18 metres, I'll give or take up to, I reckon it was probably five metres from the surface. It was that curious in this murky water because where we were was pretty clear. And then when you go into the dip, maybe it's not murk, maybe it's just because, you know, the bottom part, you couldn't see the floor exactly. Had like, we had 15 metres of yeah, so and first, we were probably sort of between, you know, 15 and 20-something and yeah. metres to the bottom. Yeah. But it's amazing. So a point of this is this Rankin just showed itself out of this murk, which is... It's amazing, you know. I, I was blown away, and I think so was Rory. Yeah. So, I think you've sort of spent some time, got a decent breathe up, and then dropped down and tried to find it again, and you had some success. I did, mate. Yeah, I, I did. I did. It's a, it was a nice dive. I went down, and um, the first dive I did was I just spotted it. I sort of found it. I was. After this, obviously, this thing coming out of a murk, I knew it has to be here somewhere, and I found it. And um, I thought, well, stop, stop, stop. You haven't got a breath in you to actually get close enough. Went back up, breathed up, really nervous for Shrek being close by because he's got a bad reputation. <laughs> um, and I really wanted this ranking. <laughs> so anyway, dropped on it, or not on it, sort of maybe 10 or 15 metres away, and just gradually creeped along the bottom. And um, they're funny fish. They'll bounce on the bottom because they're curious. Um, and it did exactly that. And then I just had to wait it out. And it, it's always terrible just before you pull the trigger on something that big. It's just a beautiful fish. Um, and you want to make sure that you get it, nail it, you know, so it you know, it doesn't die somewhere. So I waited a bit. And it, it, it gave me a semi-side-on shot so I could get it through the head. I was grateful. That fish came in, I think, like, oh, well, first up, you like, the fish, you were at the back end of your breath hold, so you've, you know, cleverly allowed it to sort of um, spool you or, or take a bit of line and sort oh, of... Oh, I forgot about that. Thanks, Rick. Thanks yeah. for reminding me. I forgot about that. Yeah, appreciate it, mate. Yeah, no, yeah. So um, the fish is kind of headed for its hole and you've allowed it to take line and you've just headed for the surface to get a breath, do a bit of recovery breathing and obviously shared your excitement that you'd shot a fish and so I, I had a couple of quick breaths and then headed down to try and recover it for you and 
Yeah, and then we, and we got it. So um, it ended up. What did we weigh it at? I think it came in at eight kilo. Good size, very good yeah. size, I think. And uh, ranking cod are a little bit like Chinamen. They fight more than their apparent size. Like you're like, holy moly, this thing's got a bit of go in it. Yeah, true. Those Chinamen, eh? They they amazing. They're like like pocket rockets. It's just pure muscle, like. Like the staffies of the ocean, I reckon. They're yeah, just... the staffie of the ocean. I like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Joel, you didn't shoot any Chinamen. You, you did. You have any opportunities on? No, them? I didn't shoot any that day. No, yeah. didn't. No. Yeah, unfortunately. But you shot. You shot a first. You shot your first. Oh, first decent... Spanish mackerel. Yep. Yeah, that nice. Was a, that was a cracker. Yep. So what happened there? Like, how do you hunt? How did you hunt it? Like, when um, did you notice it? Well, we had the we I had the flasher going, so we had that about what, four or five meters off the bottom, just swimming around. But um, and how deep was the water? Oh, I think that would have only been about twelve mm. to fourteen at the most. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that deep at all. So, but it was super clear. But um, we're hanging around in between the the two reefs, so in the in the deep sections, so where the current runs through, just to push them through. But um, no, I was just sort of swimming around, just looking up top and. Um, to be honest, I was just daydreaming. Just wasn't even looking at the bottom because I was just chasing a mackie. And I, I actually, Bert was behind me. You know, I, I spotted the first one, and by the time I spun around, Bert had already lined it up and shot him. So I thought, oh, well, that's like, that opportunity gone. But yeah, just one, just one was lucky. Swum through, and he, he was only about three meters below the surface. So it oh, was, wow. it was, it wasn't that hard to get. So I just sort of, you know, I didn't even really need to breathe up. Just sort of went down and hit him, and yeah, way it went. So yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed with the way those things pull. They go yeah. nuts, mate. They're unreal. That first run, eh? Oh, it just rips off, yeah. Mm. You just got to make sure you hold on, but there you go, water skiing. But I don't think um, we've spoken since you've got your um, Spanish Mac. They've got Taxman, have we? No. No, no so, yeah, Shrek got, a, Shrek got a bloody beauty. Um, I, was, I was on the boat. that was on a pretty big drift dive, and um, I was watching Rory. He was trying to get this coral trout, decent, solid one, and Shrek and Bert were... Um, off the side trying to get some uh, Mackies. But, yeah, next thing I know, I'd, I'd just see um, Shrek get ripped through the water. I mean, Jesus, what's going on here? So I said to Roy, oh, mate, you right by yourself. you got the flash over to go chase the boys. They've got their on something big. The next thing I see is this bloody mackerel just launch out the water. would have come out probably. Oh, I was full clear out the water. That's a couple of metres it's hit. And then um, it's landed back in and... Um, Trex just disappeared. It's like he's fucking water skiing, mate, just getting hooked by this Mackie. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I've raced up. But, yeah, tell us the rest, mate, with that one. That was a cracker. Mate, it wasn't even a big Spanish. Like, I think it, maybe it was like 12 or 13 kilo. Like, nothing like like huge. Nah. But, jeepers, this thing had a lot of energy. Yeah. And we quickly realised why. <laughs> it was being hounded by sharks. And, um, jeepers, that, that, that mackerel gave him more curry than, you know, Mac, like 20 kilo ones have given me. Yeah. This thing just, it, it's actually hauled me through the water, like probably towed me a good 20 or 30 meters away. And um, Bert's swimming up current to try and get a second shot for me or fend the sharks off. And um, the mackerel's pulling like a, like a, just a mongrel until all of a sudden it just goes slack. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit, it's been, I've been sharked, you know? Yeah. And um, Bert's finally caught up with it, and I think maybe that's where he takes over. Yeah, and no, I was just, I, I just saw Shrek shot the fish. Off it goes. Obviously, both Shrek and myself 
didn't see the, the shark bounce out and attack. That would have been amazing to see Joel sword from a boat. But tell you what, Shrek was going like a clap was getting pulled by river water by this fish. Decent, like a decent, decent pull. And um, chased it down. And basically what I wanted to say is Shrek dive down, gets that ranking for me. Um, and that's where mates come in. Sometimes you do need them. And I think that's about diving. You need somebody to cover your back. So, like, for instance, there, I believe because it was a headshot, it doesn't matter if it's laying in a trench, but, you know, the thing can swim around a reef a little bit and there's your rope tied and then you spend the next 20 minutes recovering a fish where your mate can quickly go down, retrieve it and save you energy. And the same goes for mackerel is the sharks is on it. So it's somebody's duty to go and ask them to leave a fish alone. Mm. Yeah. Yep. And you did that, you were you were chasing up, you were like sprinting, out of breath, coming up, and then, um, so that mackerel, I think he's dived again, hauled me a bit longer, and then the sharks finally got hold of it, taking a chunk out of it, and that took all the spunk out of this mackerel. Like, the, admittedly, the shark took like a good bite full, and hopefully I can link up some, um, some pictures of some of these fish we're talking about in the show notes. So if people go to um, noobspiro.com forward slash... WA3, I'll have um, some of this linked up, but the, the shark's taking a big bite of the Spanish. The Spanish is just basically given up, I think, and I'm hauling it in, and then Bert's finally caught up, fended the sharks off, and I got the mackerel into me, and I hate giving fish to sharks. Absolutely hate it. So I pull it up, and even though the shark's following it up, I don't care, I'm pulling it into me. And then Bert's dive down, fending him off, which is what every good dive buddy does. And uh, we, we got the fish, we recovered it, it went in the esky, and then actually this morning, I think, uh, or yesterday, sorry, um, Joel and I filleted that, and we made sure, because when a shark bites it too, like um, it introduces bacteria to that fish, so you sort of got to cut out all of that bite section. You, use, you lose a hell of a lot of meat. But um, I think we probably still got, I reckon maybe six or eight kilos worth of fillet out of it. Yeah, what do you reckon, Joel? That, mate. Yeah, I reckon about six or eight, yeah, mm. for sure. But, I mean, not all sharks are bad. What about the encounter of the tiger shark we had? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Next level. I'm going to try and link up some of that footage in the same show notes. So, noobspero.com forward slash WA3. Like, I'm going to try and link up a bit of a trip, trip vid, but the, the boy said, like Bert, I think yelled out first. You got to get in the water, mate. Go, oh, I think I was in the water, but I was a hundred meters away. W was I with you, Joel? Yeah, we'll buddied up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bert was gone again. Yeah. <laughs> Bert was gone, but I think he was with. He was. Yeah, he was with Rory. I think to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> okay. As Bert usual, was Bert was solo, but he was like, "Hey guys, check out this cool tiger shark, eh?" And then uh, we we're kind of swimming over and. Um, it was, it was not a huge, um, tiger shark. Uh, it was like a young, young male, maybe, uh, maybe just over two meters. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just a, yeah, beautiful animal. And he was coming right up to the surface and then back down to the bottom again. He loved Bert's flasher, like most sharks seem to. Um, Joel might be able to talk to this because, <laughs> um, if one thing <laughs> Bert's flashes do, they bring in the sharks and they love them. Yeah, and the yeah. fish too, yeah. and um, but sometimes sharks first, yeah. and and uh, the tiger shark loved Bert's flasher, and um, 
So we got to spend a bit of time with it and film film them. And um, man, like tiger sharks when they are in that placid mode, mm. they're so nice to be in the water with. Yeah, they're beautiful. Eh? Uh, the, I like them more than manta rays and stuff like that. Like to me, they are like a deadly weapon. Oh, I don't know. You like you look at a person that makes handmade knives on Instagram or something like yeah. that, and you're like, that's friggin' cool. And being in the water with a tiger shark that's in placid mode, it's kind of the same thing. It is, yeah. It's a weapon made for a deadly purpose, but it's not being used it's for just anything. Like full respect there, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. Yeah, love yeah. it. It was good. So Shrek, you've almost done two and a half thousand k's of this yeah. up at God's Country. Yeah. What do you reckon your best sort of area and moment of this this trip's been for you so far, or is it a bit too hard to say? Because we've still got another twelve hundred k to go, mate. But um, obviously the spearing's over. But how are you liking WA? Oh, I've I've been spoiled this trip, boys. Um, you know everything about this trip's been magic. You know, Bert's boat is just like purpose built for spearfishing. It's just you know like it's a pontoon boat, um, but made for spearfishing like everything about it is just yep it's made for spearing and then uh you know um joel's troopy just an absolute weapon of a vehicle towing it I, i've been sitting in the back seat by myself just taking it easy really just in, in business class in the back yeah, yeah. we've we've had uh we, we're sitting in front of a wood fire under a you know like a fully lit starlit sky so you you wouldn't recommend people come here would you no nah, no nah, nah, don't don't come here guys no. just leave wa to poor Plus. suckers like me <laughs> but like like a lot of spearfishing trips sometimes the in water stuff is equaled by the outer water stuff and you know, last night Bert and I sat here. You were catching up on your emails for yeah. Bugger Joel. But um, Bert and I sat here and we had a few drambuies and we just looked at the stars and talked rubbish and it was fantastic. That's what it's about, eh? Uh, it's good, mate. It's been yeah. have, good having you over here. It's me, yeah. mate. Yeah, ah, awesome. Sweet. Yeah. And, and it, like, you and I met each other this week and I, I feel like sometimes when you do a full week trip and Bert, Bert says the same thing, you know, like, you really get to know people like pretty decent. And i uh, yeah, I'd go on a trip with you again any yeah, sure, any day mate. of the week. Yeah, well, we're coming to Brizzy next. Yep, <laughs> yep. I'll put you on to some whiting and moeys. Yes, nice. And if you're lucky, you'll get a whiting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're getting back over here, what do you reckon, Bert? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yep. Yeah, uh, nah, WA's, WA's the bomb. Um, obviously, like, not, not even WA divers get to experience this kind nah. of magic. No, so we're, we're, we're very lucky with Bert. You know, obviously it's his it's his backyard, I suppose to say. Because Bert's he, backyard, yeah, but it is Bert's backyard. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're lucky with a man who's been up here for what last twenty five years. Yeah. For are, reference, for shit, like mate. for people that are listening to the show and they're like from America or something like that. Like there was a long running TV show in Australia called Burke's Backyard, and. Um, so we've been sort of teasing Bert with calling it Bert's backyard for for, for a couple of days anyway. Yeah, it's been a few days. Yeah. yeah, even his repairs and stuff on the boat and some of the funny tricks Bert does yeah, around the place. What do we have to do today, Bert? What do we have to do today, Bert? Um, yeah, so we're travelling along, um, pretty good condition, steady, steady, and, <laughs> steady, um, steady. <laughs> Joel's laughing. I'm laughing. We shared a we shared a look. Bert's steady, steady as everyone else is like, holy shit, flat out. 
<laughs> anyway, so, don't sweat the details, I always say. But anyway. Great news, guys. Adam Stern has made his freedivingfamily.com courses available at a discount for the Noob Spiro community. If you get on freedivingfamily.com, use the code Spiro, you'll get 20% off any course. There's a bunch of sick courses on there. There's an equalizing uh, stage one. There's an equalizing advanced techniques um, video there. They're two of my absolute favorites. If you have any problems with equalizing, go to freedivingfamily.com. Get Adam's course and use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. In the world of freedive spearfishing, there's no magic breathing technique that's all of a sudden going to get you down and shoot massive fish at depth and holding big bottom times. But there is a way to do it safer and smarter, take down more fuel to maximize the time that you have there. Learn at noobspiro.com forward slash TED with Ted Hardy from Immersion Freediving. If you take down more fuel, you can stay for longer. Learning to take a bigger breath is not such a big deal. Ted breaks it down for you with a free online course, noobspiro.com forward slash TED. Take down 20 to 30% more air just by learning how to take a full breath. Again, learn how to do it free at noobspiro.com forward slash TED. Today's Noobspiro podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at noobspiro.com forward slash audible. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone or Android phone. Get amongst it, noobspiro.com forward slash audible. Free trial, free book, no brainer. That's noobspiro.com forward slash audible. Kill fish with precision and power, sending shafts from a stable platform with Kill Shot Spear Guns. Made in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin, you're buying American-made, dependable spear guns. Get $30 off any Kill Shot Spear Gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Nuba. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com. It says if they're in the shop or on the phone, they can cash in by saying, crikey, mate, or the Noob Spiro podcast sent me. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com, based in the Florida Keys. So going back to, I felt like I'm losing a bit of steering. I reckon Joel reckons maybe the way's fault or something. And um, so slow down, felt the steering, we stopped. And um, I suppose if you do it long enough, you have to go prepared. That you, 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 If you're going to go hard, make sure you got the goodies. Um, I was trying to keep as much as possible on a boat. Got a lot of... Um, Fluid, that's just hydraulic fluid, that is. And, a, and an ex-marine outboard mechanic tradesperson. Yeah, and, and we got a marine, <laughs> yeah, so basically one end, I'm filling the hole, trying to get the fluid, and the other side, he's fixing the back. So between the two of us, it didn't take that long, did it? How long nah. would you say? Oh, five or ten minutes. Five and I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, I'm out in the water with the right kind of blokes, you know? Yeah. Like, um, four other people? If that same situation happened, that's a turn around. That's a hit no back way. to the ramp. <laughs> but for you guys, it was just a five-minute hiccup. And uh, nah, the conditions weren't calm. And I think when you experience significant uh, wave and wind action, like you know, you get pumped a bit, and your boat comes under pressure. And that's when some of the faults that are lying there. They come uncovered. They come unstuck, and this was one of those ones. Like um, Joel, you sort of 
you know, you diagnose the issue pretty quickly and then you work to a solution. Walk us through that. Yeah, so I um, asked Bert, I was – it was actually pretty good timing because I was busting for a piss and <laughs> heading into this. Well, well we've been airborne for probably a good five to ten minutes, prop out the water, and we we're slamming. And me and Shrek are going, fucking hell, it's pretty rough. So I was pretty grateful we stopped. And Bert's going, oh, I just need to put a bit of fluid in my steering. And I'm having a piss at the back. And I'm going, how often does this happen, mate? He goes, nah, nah, it's only, you know, probably once every two years I put oil in. And he's turned the wheel. And I said, mate, there's an oil slick on the wall, on the ocean he's like what i said no you got you got a leak he's oh yeah right but what had happened is um they got these rigging tubes on these center console things like this and um a lot of crew do it they try and make you know it's good to make stuff look neat but they pull everything too tight and they don't brace stuff so obviously when you drive and you get a lot of impact there's a lot of heavy rigging that bounces up and down when you've got tender hydraulic lines are made out of hard plastic with bronze little o-rings they stretch and pull and that's what's happened so it's all, it's lucky it didn't snap off because if it snapped off out there we would have been totally different story we would have had to try and manhandle this outboard back to the shore but yeah i just um well bert was had a few rusty tools in there as we always needed and we um managed to pull a bit of whole hydraulic line line forward and put it back in and re-bleed her up and away we went so it wasn't too bad and then i just got a little bit of rope and brace up the rigging tube and yeah, Bob's your uncle. We'll, we'll back away. Yeah, bleed the system. So, yeah, it's just, it is, like Bert said before, it's important just to keep your um, gear maintained and, yeah, make sure someone reputable is working on it, not some backyard billy, really. Can't get out and walk out there, eh? So. I think basically a lesson learned from everything like this, you know, you, you sort of go through life uh, and I think sometimes you're too proud to ask for advice or... Just do it, guys. Don't you know? Don't think you know it all because you don't. Um, and always ask somebody that know more than you, not your mate, um, that knows almost you know the same as you. So especially if you go like we go long, long distances out in the ocean, and I think go with a competent crew. Don't don't wing it. And even if it's your first time, I would say always make sure on that first three or four trips you take experienced guys with you um, because it'll save your life basically. No, man. Today, uh, one of the last spots we jumped in, um, the pick went out. Um, you, All three of us jumped over, and I always like kicking up current a bit from the boat. That way I know like I can always get back to it. You boys sort of jumped over the back and headed a little bit out the back and then went exploring together. And we sort of went in different directions. So I was the one diving solo. And um, it was kind of like there was a bit of a wall there and there was some hollow under it, but it was a bit shit for a while. But about 50, 100 metres in front of the boat, I had paid it. I found this friggin' this curl in the wall where there was this nice little hollow. There were two caves either side and sand on the bottom. And the current was hitting it just enough that the bait was sitting there and there was stuff going berserk. I I dropped down. There were like three species of bait I could see from the surface. I had fusiliers up high in the water column. I had that sort of that, um, what do you call that, that glassy bait in the front of this cave. And then I had some other stuff swimming through as well. And I was like, this spot is going off. And, I, like, and then Trevally come through and something else come through. And I was like, sweet. So I've dropped down, 
come out of this sort of this um, in, into this hollow, and I've looked left, and I, I can see an estuary cod, and then I've looked right, and I can see a ranking cod, and you know, and then I've carried, and then I've looked in front of me, and there's trevally, like big golden trevally, like 10, 10 kg, twenty pounders, coming through in a school. And then behind them, I can see pink snapper coming in, and they're coming in good, like, and they're good size, like, you know, two kilo snapper coming in for a look. And then behind them, I've got spangled emperor coming in as well. It was a target rich environment. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's one of those moments where you're just like, this is amazing, you know, like, you, this, it doesn't happen enough, you know, like, it's just like you're spoiled for choice. And you're almost paralyzed because you're like, what do I shoot? You know, like, and sometimes it's like some stuff's easy to shoot because it's right there. Bang. You just shoot it. Some of the better stuff though is just a little bit out. And it's like, do I shoot what's in front of me or do I take the risk and try and hunt the species, you know? And I don't know why, but I was just a bit calm and patient and I made the most of it. I, I, I went back up to the surface. I didn't shoot anything. The next shot, the next drop, I shot a Rankin. Then the next drop, I shot a Coral Trout. Oh, and then I, I, you boys have come motoring over because you're like, oh, the, the ground out the back's no good. And I'm like, well, this is the best spot I've seen all day. Yeah. You know, get in here. And so you've jumped in as well. And before you guys are even in the water, I've dropped down and shot a pink snapper. And I've got three fish on my stringer. And I'm like, I can't even carry any more fish. <laughs> I've got to just get them on board and then carry on. And then you guys hooked in as well, and yeah. Joel, you, you jumped in and shot a good fish. Yeah, I got a nice ranking out of that, but that was a bit of a spin out because, um, like you said, we went uh, a bit further, what did we go, north on that reef. But, you know, there's nothing really happening. There's small tuskies, small um, trouts, and not much action. And me and Bert just both said, oh, we're running out of time. We'll head elsewhere. Well, where's Isaac, mate? Bert was even on the old bugle trumpet blowing for you to come back. I don't know if you heard it. But, I did. Yeah, yeah I yeah. just ignored it. I was shooting fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but bloody couldn't believe it. Hey, eh? when we went over there, it was a good size bloody trout too. Good size ranking. But yeah, I hooked in too. That hole was um, amazing. I dove down the first time, same as you, seen a few things. But um, just the life down there. But yeah, where I got my ranking was probably twenty meters further up on that edge. But just the whole edge was lively. I just must have been something in that bloody current pull through there. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Not only was it lively with like all of our target species, but we had a big, um, like a bull ray come yeah, through. Big bull, big manta. Yeah, and then a big manta yeah. as well. And, and, um, Bert, I mean, um, Bert, you were watching, you were on the surface and you saw the manta come in. Um, walk us through that. Yeah, we, we were, like, no, this was one of the many times this week that we seen a few nice things, but I'm following this manta ray and as I'm following it, I'm looking down, an airstrack lying in hunting position, and it's mantray. Like in my view, it looked like it actually sort of sort of half swam over him. Oh, and it fully swam over. Him. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay, it was amazing just to watch, you know. And and it's so curious they are because it keeps doing laps, looking at the three of us, and yeah. um, you can just see how intelligent they are, just looking at you. They they just like those are the moments to me personally. What makes diving? It's you know, obviously, firstly, it's going away with your mates and sitting around a campfire and drinking beer and talking about what you see in the day and in the ocean, seeing that turtle or seeing a sea snake or whatever it is, something that, you know, particularly fancy. It's just, it's all about that. Yeah. Now that spot was cool. 
earlier in the day we rocked up on some real cavey country and um, Joel took me out and we sort of, he shot the cod and I shot the, uh, the bull chin. Meanwhile, Bert was out hunting solo and managed to land himself a really nice jack, probably sort of that, uh, I reckon, three to four kilo, just a, a really nice solid jack, and, and um, we're in the right country for it. Um, walk us through the hunt, if you can, Bert. Yeah, I, um, I'm going to just take two steps back. Today was my first day with a GoPro on my head. So I've never done it like that anyway. So um, Shrek showed me how it works and put it on a mask and that sort of thing. And hopefully I have a footage of it. Um, oh, sick. But um, dive down, beautiful country, looked around, just the normal stuff um, around. And then um, I found this sort of crack, cave thing, followed it through and it's sort of like, it's hard to explain, hopefully the footage will show it. But it's like another cave within a cave, and I obviously can't fit through this little tiny gap. And I just saw this big red, and um, I thought, you beauty, just don't spook it. Just take it slow. Sometimes it's better to sometimes just stop, relax. Fish goes a little bit, and then it relaxes itself. And if you just wait it out, most of the time it just goes about a business looking at you or whatever. And um, it gave me an opportunity. I, I nailed it. Um once again, I like headshots most of the time because I find it holds the fish and you can yank a bit harder if you need to get it out because if it goes into the second cave, I lose my spear, I lose the fish, and it just haunts me. So I got a hold of it, moved along the crack because the fish wouldn't come through the crack. The crack was too small. And I swam it a couple of meters till the crack opened big enough and just kept pulling up and then um, swam back to the surface. So it was a really nice dive and I, it, it sort of pushed your limits and, it's a nice feeling. Yeah. Rewarding too. Yeah, always nice when you get that colours, those colours. What was that fish the other day that you had and I took a photo of it, red one? That was the Chinaman. Oh, the Chinaman. That was another one. Um, so this is right on sunset. It's just it's a magical time of the day to oh. as the sun goes down. It's just it's just yeah, it's just, just something about it. The ocean changes. It's, it it goes like some things go to sleep and other things start waking up and it's this magical moment. And obviously this Chinaman was, yeah, you tell the story. We got to dive that same reef two days in a row and the first day Joel and I were kind of like, you know, you're losing light and you got like 10 metres vis, but the vis is kind of deteriorating because you're losing light. And so, you you know, it might be 10 metres vis, but because the lot, you know, the sun's going down, you've, you've really got like sort of five or seven metres vis. So you, yeah, so you got to get on the bottom, and the amount of sharks, like it was a bit of hectic. Joel and I were kind of like, well, let's stick together, you know, like. There's definitely one up, one down there. Yeah, 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 and we and we did. We were like, oh man, like this is this spot is hectic, and the topside conditions were not ideal. Had sort of like fifteen to twenty knots probably, and uh, a bit of swell moving through, and a bit of current, and then. You got all the shark action underneath. You've got gear. Like I had a leaky mask. I think Joel had some some issues as well. Yeah. And then um, and then we're seeing good fish, and uh, and it was such good country, eh? Oh, it's mint country, mate. Yeah, it's unreal. But like you say, just the spookiness of um, the dark, the murky, the sharks. Yeah. The stress. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. really. It wasn't enjoyable, but it yeah. was um, 
You made you, you felt alive. That was sure. Yeah, yeah, like Joel's Joel's a guy that'll punch out ninety second dives probably all day long, and um, yeah, and 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 to be honest, at the moment I'm kind of doing the same, and maybe even a little bit better. But like, like good good diving ability is my point, and we're diving down, and both of us are feeling the sort of the stress mm. of the situation. Neither of us were doing any sort of <laughs> like. 50 second dives, yeah, probably max. 40 second yeah. dives. And, 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 um, you know, it's that sort of that struggle diving. Yeah. But, uh, but I enjoyed it anyway. Did we yeah. shoot any good fish on that day? Uh, shot yeah, a good tusky. Yeah, tusky we shot. Someone shot a Chinaman. I didn't shoot one. Yeah, yeah Bert shot a good one, I think. Did we get a Mackie? I can't remember. We shot a lot of, a lot of shit, eh? Yeah. But but the sharks come in sharks hardcore. Brutal. Yeah, they were really really brutal. And then the second day, we sort of we got on that reef at similar time of day. It was the back end of the day, sunlight's going, currents ripping, but the Chinamen were thick. Like, and Chinamen took like Joel. What's your take on a Chinaman as a fish? Like, in 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 Queensland where I live. Um, you can't take them because they are a no-take species, first of all. But the reason they are a no-take species is because of cigatera. Yeah. But over here, we're not dealing with that problem. We're, so so Chinamen are fully legal and they're on the table. But um, not everyone likes them. So walk us through. No, sort of, not right. everyone likes them, but um, not everybody's educated with them either because people over here still think cigatera is a thing. You know? But we, we don't have it. I mean, we might have it up the top end of WA where the waters get a lot warmer, but... Definitely not not down anywhere where we're spearing. Um, look, they're a firmer fish. They're good. Um, I think it's the way you treat them. I, I mean, I reckon they're a great fish. I've eaten them all my bloody life, you know. So they're definitely not something you're going to mix with um, butter and garlic and put in a pan. But if you want to do something with a um, you know a curry or shish kebabs, as Bert likes to say, they're, they're great, mate. They're, they're definitely not. And I think when you line catch them, they're a lot different. When you shoot them, they don't stress out as much, so they're not as rubbery. You know, when you're line fishing with them, they're, they're fighting all the way up and they turn into an old rubber boot when you cook them. But I've had them speared and lined and they're definitely, you know, I like them, mate. I, I rate them. They go hard when you shoot them yeah, too. Yeah, I've like. never shot one, so I was I was spewing because they're out like bloody rats that day. But so I had a bit of a blowing ear, so I didn't didn't push it that day. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was the back end of the day too. It's back end of the day. Yeah. yeah. So I've been suffering a bit with an ear today. So about um, best day was today for me, mate. I felt good, and we're going home tomorrow. Which yeah, I've just got in my groove. But anyway, next time and Joel got his groove back. Yeah. Um. So day one, you and I were hunting together. Day two, mm. Bert, Rory, and I were hunting together, and the the Chinamen were thick. Like you could get on the bottom, it was not uncommon to see sort of like four or five yeah, easy. in one dive. Easy, easy. And what was amazing, it was sometimes when you, you spearfish, you only see the same size fish, like Spangled Empress, probably a good one. Um, Snapper, another one. Um, where all the fish are the same size, but I find with Chinamen, you get the baby, but you get this monster next to it, which is quite nice. So mm. they obviously, is, you know, as a family, they stay together, I suppose. Yeah, yep. So you followed me down with the camera, and I, um, I think you caught it all on action or most of it, and um, it was pretty cool. So I, yeah, we, I mean, we had been sort of sizing up this drop 
for a while and counted down. You followed me with the camera, and I I finally got to shoot a a, a good size one. Yeah. And Jeep is like the amount of fight in a fish for the size of the fish is unbelievable. Mm. They're like, I don't know, they're like Mike Tyson in a fish. Mm-hmm. Definitely. They they punch way above their weight. They're amazing. It's it, and it's, it's something that I think. What I like about these trips is you look forward to them and you're thinking, oh, I would like to get, say, a Chinaman or whatever. It could be if you're after a red or whatever. And all year long you, you dream about that one thing or oh, six months or some of us start more than others. Um, yeah, and that's what it's all about, eh? Like having this dream and then going on these trips and making it reality. So on this trip, when you started, was I don't think Chinaman was actually on the menu, was it? Nah, we just had opportunity and then... You, but we got home on that first day, and you you cooked us, um, you cooked one up for us, and Joel and I were just like, man, this is really good fish. Yeah, it is. It is a good fish. I think most things in the ocean. Um, yeah, sorry, I don't cook every fish. I just sit, you know, go back. Bludger yeah, trevally. Yeah, don't need trevally. a bludger trevally or whatever yeah. that thing is called. It's nasty. Um, but then again, I've got a mate called Derek. Um, he does the prints. That fella, he can cook anything. So I'm sure that he would get a bludgeon trevally and make it into something really nice. Yeah, you could make it into like, um, like a, yeah, like a seafood jelly. <laughs> yeah, something. <laughs> hey, like, uh, it was no, they were rubbish. They were just junk. Like Joel, Joel did a bang up effort on filleting this thing, and I tried to keep like the most, the best portion of the fish, and and sort of put it in the freezer for an hour to let it set and then chop it up as sashimi. And it's coming off the knife and I'm just looking at it like, ugh, it's just, just disgusting. And then so I thought, oh, well, it's going to be shit sashimi. So how about just some garlic butter with a bit of, uh, what do you call it, Vegeta? Because Vegeta forgives a multitude. Oh, I love like. Vegeta. It's, it's it's the best invention ever. And we all had a bit each, and we all like, yeah, nah. Yeah, Vegeta didn't do it that time, did and it? And it just nothing could do anything with this bludgeon Valley. It was shit. Yeah. What did you do with the Chinaman though, mate? That was a few days ago, so I forgot already. <laughs> didn't you put it with pasta? Didn't we have bloody fish and pasta one day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot that one. Yeah, no, I made that into like a Thai dish from memory. And um, I served it with Italian pasta on the side just to confuse everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the day after I did something similar by making like a like a peri-peri uh, chowder. Oh, that was stunning. That was a good one, eh? Yeah. That was top end. Sometimes you just you have an idea and you go with it and it works. And sometimes you have an idea and you go with it and it yeah. does it. And what's amazing about these trips is um, I've got this buying list and Joel gave me a hand. We went shopping. And it, it's quite impressive, I think, if if, if you see what we pack. Yeah, a lot of people more than have, enough, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's not your normal trips. I, I don't done the military thing, I did the boarding house thing, I did the starving thing, I did the homeless thing, um, and I'm over it all. So when I go on these trips, I don't want to hardcore it. I want to come home and I want to eat nice. I don't want to have choice. And yeah. I think what's nice is when we do these trips, the boys, everybody does things different, but they have the ingredients to whip up some beauties. Yeah. Oh, we've had, we've had cold smoked fish. 
We've had sashimi. We've had chowder. We've had Thai fish. We've had um, just like just plain butter, like um, cooked fish. You know, but we've had potato chats. We've had friggin' um, we've we've had so much good food this week. Honestly, like we've I think we've eaten fish every day. Yeah, we did. And I think if you're going away on a fishing trip and you can eat what you're catching every day, you don't have to eat all seafood. It's not like super hardcore. Yeah. But if you're eating seafood every day, it tells you like a the people you're with actually like spearfishing because they like eating fish. And B, everyone is creative and clever enough to cook good things, and um, yeah, we've had we've we've had no shortage of that. Yeah, no, we we it was a good trip. I'm um, I'm just thinking, um, when we do things like the filleting, vacuum packing, do you guys do it the same over Queensland? Yeah, yep. If I can, I'd, I I do it particularly on the extended trips. We we set up a system. We have um, you know, you you um. You gut, you, you fillet, you skin, then you portion, you debone, then you um, you label, you vacuum, you know, you cut your vacuum bags because w- sometimes we just buy it on a roll. So you don't, you, you've got to cut it to suit. And then, um, and then you seal them and then you blast freeze them if you can. Yep. And, um, you know, it means the fish that you shoot, you're going to get maximum life out of it. And I reckon you can easily, particularly with some species, you can freeze it as long as it's been vacuum-packed for six months. Easy. No oh, worries easy, at all. Something that's not oily will last. You know, I've had them in the freezer. Probably shouldn't say this. Up to nine months and you still pull them open and they're, yeah. they're yep. good as gold. Yep. But, yep. yeah. But you've got a lot different limits over Brisbane, haven't you? So yeah, your fillet in limit per kilo, what, what's that over there? So what can you take on a trip? As a limit, oh, it for... depends. Like the standard bag limit is like seven coral trout, yeah, right. Um, two Spanish mackerel that's per angler, per person, yeah, right. Yeah, and then you know, you can have other mixed re- 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 reef species, and there's all different bag limits. It's a lot uh, looser than WA, yeah, we're pretty strict, yeah, uh, for most of it, but I, yeah, I think. I think the Queensland fishery will tighten. Is it are stocks good over there when you go diving? They're not as good as here. No. no. And your limits are still high. But see, like, what you've done in WA is you've split, you know, your state into regions. Regions, yeah. Queensland need to do that too. Like, it's not all one fishery. Because northern Queensland is far different than central Queensland. Yep. Central Queensland is different than southeastern Queensland. So... I think we need to, first of all, split those core areas up and then manage them accordingly. Yep, which makes total sense. And me personally, I really like well-managed fisheries, but I also like it when it's simple and easy to understand. Yeah, like ours are a bit blurry. Well, when you start uh, spreading the zones, and, you know, we've got four different zones in one state, it does become confusing. Like you've seen me and Bert today going, fuck, what do we take? Like, fuck, let's get download this region. Because we're used to dealing with, you know, Metro South. We're we're not this region. So it it is confusing. We have got a really good fisheries, as you've seen, because our stocks are so good, but... Yeah, even we're confused, and you know, I think we come in just just right. Like, yeah. Everyone wants to bitch about fisheries. Everyone wants to bitch about bag limits and size limits. And you know, if you come from the old days where there were bugger all in the way of limits, I yeah. can understand that. 
Because no one ever wants to lose, you know, what you perceive as a right. Exactly, yeah. But and and you want to preserve, though, don't you? Yeah. Well, but you know, some of the management process is bullshit. Mm, It is, particularly in some states and territories over others, from what I've seen. But you know, we need to respect what they're trying to do and become part of the process because, yeah, I. From what I've seen, WA seems to be doing it pretty well. Yeah, adapt to it. Yeah, definitely adapt to it. Yeah. Well, we've got, we've got a pretty controversial law, law coming through at the moment, which probably a lot of people, don't know if they listen to your podcast, have heard about it, but um, they're trying to actually stop us fishing for any demersals for nine months of the year. So we can only go shoot demersal fish for, I think they're saying, 94 days because they just reckon all our demersals are under pressure. So, and that's just in the metro. Uh, just show? in our metro one. So that's from all the way from down to Albany, uh, Augusta. Sorry, Augusta. right the way to Calberry. So that's a big chunk of our state. Yeah, yeah. So Easy. big chunk. Okay. So what I would want to see as a recreational fisher would be real studies. Yep. yep. So, okay. What is the justification for this? Like clearly explain it to me, and then measure and show me the difference after you know your closure um bears fruit yep it might not be immediately obviously maybe it takes another 36 months for us to see the benefit of that nine month closure but i i would want to see real-time data to show that it had it had benefited because when you talk to fisheries management people too there there are other pressures on the fishery like pollution like changing sea temps you know like salinity like seasonal factors like you know like so many fish you know they have good spawns when you have a lot of rainfall so if you've got four years of bugger or rainfall and they're spawning you know up river and they rely on that heavy rainfall to have a really good season you're not going to see that shit you know and so I wish they did a better job of communicating this stuff to us as recreational fishers. But I, I, I agree 100%. I think, um, you know, I'm from Africa and I've still got some friends there. And now and again, we talk and they tell me, about, like, there's no more abalone or it's this or that. And it just sounds hectic how people has mismanaged their sea fisheries. I never want to see WA like this. At the same token, I feel that sea fishers are looking after our best interest, and I'm grateful for that. Mm. What I ask in return is for them to be transparent. So they do science papers, dumb it down. If it's a 300-page document, maybe turn it into a three-page document with bullet points that um, the average person that's not a scientist may understand so that when we see their decisions that they make, we can understand it because there's a lot of us that talk about these scientific papers, but none of us really want to read 300 page of a boring study it's um we just want the bullet points i feel like that's and, I, and i'm not causing a ship fight here i feel like that's the role and responsibility of our spearfishing clubs and governing bodies to interpret that data for us and to turn it into something that we can understand and take action on appropriately because sometimes if the action that they're calling for is appropriate then we should be all for it. Exactly. Like, if a short-term closure means long-term 
fruitfulness of our fishery, then I, I personally think as as Spiros that profess to be sustainable and selective and all this shit, we should probably push all in with it and back them. As long as it's legit. I if agree. it's not, then, you know, we're all used to sometimes box ticking and feel good bullshit. And I, I and think that sometimes like, when they do these studies and things and they, they do be do these stop for like nine months or whatever, not allowed to mm. fish, we'll all be happy with it if we know that this is their target, this is what they want to achieve, and that we know if they achieve this, there's a number that we can look at, we know that the seasons will open in two years, three years, if it's met. But this is very vague, and I think that what a lot of us was worry about, is this nine month a year going to be a permanent thing? Mm. Is it, you know, is it ever going to go back? Um, and I think it's a lot of cloak and dagger that, you know, just be open and upfront, and most of us will roll with it. Mm. You know, I don't want to end on a depressing note, but it's important, and, and for you guys as WA Spiros, I think um, it would obviously be front of mind. Um, so it's a massive thing. I'll try and link up any links and relevant info, including the two major Perth spearfishing clubs, which is the uh, WA Under Under Sea Club yep. and, the and the Blue Water Freedivers, yeah. So I'll link them up as well as some of the information about this nine-month proposed ban. Um, and get amongst it. If there's petitions involved, if there's information available for you guys to have a look at and read and get amongst, then please do so. I just love a functional and simple spear gun that I can trust when I pull the trigger. Killshot spear guns utilize the finest of kiln-dried Burmese teak. Killshot Spear Guns also combine American-made parts and fine craftsmanship to bring you accurate, reliable, and simple spear guns that you can trust fish after fish. Get $30 off any Killshot Spear Gun at KillshotSpearGuns.com. Yes and amen, Uber. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at KillshotSpearGuns.com. I'm really sorry for this terrible accent. Brought to you by Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com. Do you like to penetrate? Great news. Penetrator Fins, today's Noob Spirit podcast sponsor, are tough as nails. Robust, dependable performers with beyond industry standard warranty. Communicate direct with Larry and his team 24-7 for all your fin inquiries at penetratorfins.com or at penetratorfins on Instagram. Baby spum finish. These things are smooth as silk. They glide through the water. They give you that awesome balance between power and efficiency this is penetrator fins use the code anoopspiro to save $25 on any pair of penetrator fins at penetratorfins.com that's right use the code anoopspiro to save $25 on any pair of penetrator fins at penetratorfins.com Hey guys, not sure how you stay hydrated out on the boats on those long days out on the water, Uh, but staying hydrated is absolutely critical to good equalization and looking after your body, making sure you're not doing those awkward one-legged kicks to the surface when when one leg cramps out on you. Go to aqualite.com.au and get yourself a box of sachets. You just simply add them to water. It's less than $1.28 per serve. It's cheaper and cheaper and healthier than any other sports drinks on the market. Aqualite will make a difference in your spearfishing. Check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 10% on any order. Check it out. Aqualite, made in Western Australia. I've got two things I wanted to cover off with you guys before we head on out. Um, 
the last question I'm going to answer, ask you before, and we'll circle back to it, is um, you've dived with me for a week now. You've spent a week living with me and spending time with me on the boat. I want you both to give me one piece of advice to help me become a better Sparrow and a better dive buddy and a better person to go traveling with. And But before we get to that, um, what else did you guys want to cover off before we um, head on out? Um, no, nah, nothing really I want to cover off before we head out, but there's probably a bit of advice I probably would say to people that already know this is um, watch where you put your gun before you pull the fucking trigger. Because I caught one right in the face yesterday when I was oh, shooting yeah, a yeah, trout. Yeah. So, oh, good on you for sharing it too, Joel. Like, so, yeah. I tell you what, it takes a bit of humility to share a lesson learned because we've all done this shit. Yeah. So good on you. Yeah, that was a bit of a cracker. But as far as travel, mate. How, I, how did you do it? Well, walk us what, through it. Walk us well, through what it. happened is um, we're in coral trout territory. There's a heap of them. Um, and I've, I've dove down on a bit of fan coral and it was – I was on the back side of the reef. Yes, I was on the um, back side of the current. And as you can imagine, you, you're on you're against the ledge. So as the water comes over it, the current comes over it, it washes you around a fair bit. And I was, I was hanging onto this fan coral with one hand. I was lining up this coral trout. And just as I had him dead headshot, I sort of got pushed with a bit of, um, bit of current. And I just didn't really think anything of it. I've already had the trigger half pulled. And it ended up washing me right behind my gun. And I didn't have my arm straight, as Bird always said. And this thing just kicked me and smacked me straight in the mouth. But um, I was lucky because I was lucky the hood took half the um, pressure. So I've got a decent fat lip and a fair bit of bruising. But I, I got the coral trout and, <laughs> and didn't break any teeth, which was really good. But yeah, but as far as um, you go, Shrek, nah, mate, I, I reckon um, as a diver, you're good. Um, you definitely got Tully in you because you jump over the side super quick. But you do check the anchor. It's good. Probably the only bit of advice I give you for travelling is, um, mate, don't have to bring a suitcase. My wife does that. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Bert? <laughs> that was good. I like it, Joel. Thank you. Yeah, I suppose just a lube. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys get to watch a trip, Bert, from this trip, um, there's this running gag that we have. Like, um, Bert's a guy that nudes up to suit up and and then uh, one day like he's sitting there butt naked on the back of the boat and then he says Joel where is the lube <laughs> <laughs> and Joel and I kind of started laughing and then that's just become like the running joke for a couple of days it's like Joel where is the lube you know and um, there's nothing Worse, I think, a naked man can ask another man than where is the lube. <laughs> but uh, on another note, Bert's got this crash hot lube. Like, um, it's a, it comes in a powder form, but he's made up like I don't know, maybe five or six liters of the stuff for us. Like every day, we've had a plethora of uh, of lube to use, and um, you don't actually need that much, Bert. I reckon a hundred mil. For your leggings and yeah, bomb them on. Yeah, it works a bomb, mate. It, it does. Mm-hmm. So well done on an innovation. Advice for me? Mate, um, yeah, plan the next holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've loved coming over here. Um, like between family and work and other responsibilities, like these trips for me, they're like, you know, some of the highlights of my adult life, you know.
And um, this whole week away, two weeks away, Jeep is like, this will keep me going for months. You know, sometimes it seems like I talk about spearfishing every week, but but going spearfishing is like a world away. And thanks to patrons, you know, that they've they've funded this trip. You know, and uh, it's been a long time coming. And but because of your generosity and hospitality, I've been able to do it. And um, met Joel, and you know, got to board dive aboard the Hullabaloo, and uh, a purpose built dive boat and. Oh, jeepers, I've had a I've had an absolute crack of time with you fellas. Hopefully a few stories in the long run. Yep. All good. Well that's it for uh probably the WA series unless we hook into it tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. All good. Thanks, fellas. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed today's episode. WA rounded out a massive uh trip to Western Australia. Absolutely enjoyed it. Some um, some real characters that I got to know really well. Uh, obviously, my friendship with Bert has grown a, a hell of a lot after uh, spending you know nearly two weeks with him and his family, and uh, and Joel as well for a week of it. And I, I got to see a real have a real good look at uh, Western Australian coastline, and um, definitely gave me a taste for more. And uh, what an awesome and special place! And I'm extremely grateful for having had the opportunity to go there. Uh, Patron legends that support the show on an episode-by-episode basis have helped power this trip. So if you want to do the same, you love the show, you want to support, go to patreon.com forward slash noobspiro. Just jump on there. You can support the show on an episode-by-episode basis. Starts from as little as $2 an episode. And uh, as you can see, it goes a long way because I made it all the way across the other side of the country. So, hey, thanks to every single patron listener. Really appreciate it. In two weeks' time... In two weeks' time, we're coming back. It's the last episode of the year, but it's an absolute cracker. It's Adam Stern coming back for a round three, and I catch up with the boys in New Zealand, the Spiro kids, Don, Max, and Ben, and we uh, hear what those guys have been up to, getting up to mischief and spearing. I absolutely love hearing the young frothers and their passion. So come back in, in a week, in two weeks, and check that out, Adam Stern and Spiro kids. For now, that's it. Shrek over and out. Today's episode was an absolute banger, and so is our major sponsor, Adreno. Visit them at adreno.com.au. They have a huge range of equipment. You can find it at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpear at checkout. When you shop online, you can save $20 on every purchase over $200. You can even use that code in-store at some of their huge mega stores Australia-wide. Price be guarantee on any Australian spearfishing equipment price. Again, visit them at adreno.com.au. Use the code NoobSpear. The Noob Spiro Podcast is incredibly proud to be partnering with Neptonics.com. It's solid gear that works, equipment you can rely on. It's the very best in spearing gear from around the planet. Neptonics is also the one-stop shop for all your spearfishing gear, particularly in the US. They've got free shipping on all orders over $99 in the US. Furthermore, you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off on your entire shopping basket at Neptonics.com. Use the code NOOBSPIRO at Neptonics.com. Neptonics.com.